everyone, I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. Last week, you heard just some of the miracles in American history by internationally acclaimed author and historian William J. Federer on his latest powerfully produced trilogy of DVDs, highlighting some of America's greatest moments and the miracles that made them so. This week, we look forward to exploring even more of what made America the great nation it is today and the faith of its founding fathers. Back with us today for part two of our conversation, ladies and gentlemen, always a joy and honor, former congressional candidate, author, historian, William J. Federer. Bill, welcome back to Testimony. Well, it's great to be with you. Well, it's great to have you as always. Bill, I want to get right to it. Your trilogy of DVDs, beautifully produced, five-minute clips, really give the listener the visual on some of America's most important historic moments and the faith and miracles behind them and what made them so. You beautifully chronicle that in five-minute segments, ten episodes each DVD. Again, miracles in American history. So, Bill, I'm just going to give you the mic. Take it away. Tell us about more of these miracles. Well, the War of 1812 is one that is often overlooked, but it was pretty important. The British are fighting Napoleon, and then when he's finally banished to the island of Elba, the British are freed up. And again, they have the most powerful military in the world. So they send a fleet over to Lake Erie. And uh, meanwhile, America has just experienced what's called the Second Great Awakening Revival, and we have preachers and camp meetings and abolitionist societies all starting. Well, the British fleet at Lake Erie, they had just gotten done fighting Napoleon, and the best the Americans do is a young guy, 28 years old, Oliver Hazard Perry. Now, it just so happens that a, a month or so earlier, James Madison declared a day of prayer to be observed September 9th, 1813. Well, the next day, September 10th of 1813, you have these British ships confronting Oliver Hazard Perry's USS Lawrence and a couple other ships. The British have long-range cannons, and they fire away and splinter Oliver Hazard Perry's flagship to pieces, and everyone expects him to surrender. Instead, this gutsy young guy gets on a rowboat with his men, goes to the second ship, the Niagara, and by this time, the wind had sort of changed the battle formation, and he gets on board, and he sails directly across the British line. In other words, cutting in front of all of their ships, and he's firing every cannon possible. So just broadside, just firing, firing, firing. By the time he gets to the other side, he had disabled the entire British squadron. Never before had an entire British squadron been disabled at one time. He tells the men on deck, the prayers of my wife are answered. He writes to the Secretary of Navy, It has pleased the Almighty to give the arms of the United States a signal victory over their enemies on this lake. The British squadron, consisting of two ships, two brigs, one schooner, one sloop, have this moment surrendered to the force of my command after a sharp conflict. 
Well, Madison, the president, declares a day of thanksgiving. It is pleased the Almighty to bless our arms on Lake Erie, the squadron under the command of Captain Perry, having met the British squadron of superior force. A sanguinary conflict ended in the capture of the whole. Well, the British aren't done yet. They land their troops and they march into Washington, D.C. The American troops just ran away. And so here they're just walking right into our capital. Dowling Madison uh, frantically takes the painting of George Washington off the fireplace, and she rides out of town on a carriage while British Admiral George Cockburn rides into the capital. He rides up to the White House, walks up the stairs, goes inside, sees the table set with dinner. He sits down, eats dinner, and then torches the place. Oh, my goodness. And then he goes over to the U.S. Capitol and has his soldiers sit in the chairs of our congressmen, and he says, who votes to burn the American Capitol? They all say, aye, and they burn our Capitol. And then he burns the Treasury, the Library of Congress. He attacks the Navy Yard. Well, then the sky darkens, and the wounds grow louder and louder to a, quote, frightening roar. And then lightning begins striking at the British troops. Tornado touches down, sending debris flying, blowing off hoops and chimneys on the British troops, even picking up British cannons, throwing them yards away. And violent winds slap horse and rider to the ground. And the book Washington Weather recorded British Admiral George Cockburn exclaiming to a lady, Great God, Madame, is this the kind of storm to which you are accustomed to in this infernal country? <laughs> to which the lady replied, No, sir, this is a special interposition of Providence to drive our enemies from our city. <laughs> well, the storm uh, comes and the rains put out the fires. The British flee back to their ships. Two of their ships were actually blown ashore and all their rigging's damaged. A British historian later wrote, More British soldiers were killed by this stroke of nature than from all the firearms the American troops had mustered in the feeble defense of their city. So this was a miracle. Madison has a day of Thanksgiving. It says the British, uh, during their possession for a single day only, wantonly destroyed public edifices. Independence is now to be maintained with the strength and resources which heaven has blessed. And then he goes on to declare a day of fasting. Public humiliation, fasting, and prayer to Almighty God of confessing their sins and transgressions, strengthening their vows of repentance. Our founders understood God cannot bless sin. So as long as we're clinging to sin, we're not going to be blessed. So like two magnets that are turned the wrong way, it sort of repels. Right. We have to first repent of our sins and turn that magnet around. Then we can stick and God's blessing can come back into our lives. The British uh, then go to Baltimore, bombard Fort McHenry, but uh, the flag still waves and Francis Scott Key writes the Star Spangled Banner. Of course, the fourth verse says, and conquer we must when our cause is just, and this be our motto, in God is our trust. And the Star Spangled Banner and Trump shall wave over the home of the free and the land of the brave. I can't wait till they sing that at the ball games. Miracles in American history. Amen, amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to historian William J. Federer, his latest DVD trilogy, Miracles in American History. Bill, quick question here. The history books that they're rolling out today in our educational system, in your view, if you happen to know, are they accurate? Well, for the most part, they've embraced uh, revisionism. There's actually a communist tactic called deconstruction where you separate the people from their past, get them into a neutral where they do not remember where they came from, and then you can brainwash them into the future you have plans for them. Sort of like a cultural 
gene replacement therapy. Um, it's a sales tactic, actually. If I was a toothpaste salesman, the first thing I would do is say negative things about the toothpaste you are currently using. You're still using that old stuff, don't you know? It'll eat the enamel off your teeth. Mm -hmm. Ooh, you're repulsed by it. Now I got you into a neutral. You're sort of open-minded. What are all the toothpaste out there nowadays? Then I can give you my pitch for this brand new tartar-controlled breast freshener stuff. And so what do they do? They go into the classrooms and they tell the students negative things about the founders. They took land from Indians, sold people into slavery, and chauvinism. Ooh, the students are repulsed by them. Now you've got the kids into a neutral. They're sort of open-minded. What are all the belief systems out there nowadays? Then you can give them your pitch for socialism or LGBT or Islam. And so you see, Europe went through this. Europe went from a Judeo-Christian past, right? Mm -hmm. Catholic cathedrals, Protestant Reformation, Jewish neighborhoods. Right. But then Europe went into a secular neutral with the French Revolution. And Napoleon spreading all this French secularism all around. And secularism says, anything goes, bring them whatever you want. Free morals, loose sex, LGBT. And now Europe is entering an Islamic future with Mohammed being the number one name for newborns in London, Milan, Brussels, in, in Berlin, in Germany. And so we see that the, the gay agenda is really just simply a transition phase. It's a creative way to cut ties from the Christian past, but it's quickly co-opted by an aggressive Islamic future. And so we have to understand that unless we know this history, they are working their agenda. As we rediscover the history, one of my favorite quotes is from Arthur Schlesinger, Jr., mm -hmm. Pulitzer Prize-winning historian on John F. Kennedy's staff. And he said, history is to the nation what memory is to the individual. Have you ever met an individual who has lost their memory? Maybe they have Alzheimer's. They forgot who they are. They forgot who you are. They can be taken advantage of. Well, guess what? We have national Alzheimer's. Here we are, the freest country the planet has ever seen, and we forgot how we got here. We forgot who we are. We forgot all the sacrifices that were made to give us the freedoms so we can decide what church we want to go to and speak out politically and who we want to marry and where we want to live and what job you want to pursue or what food you want to eat. Uh, they don't have these freedoms in Pakistan or Saudi Arabia or North Korea. They are something that America has. We need to rediscover these great uh, gifts that have been handed down to us. And I imagine that's why you do what you do. You're a historian. Dr. Ben Carson has heralded your work, All of America. You're an internationally known speaker, author of over 20 books that we've mentioned before. You've done your homework, and what a gift uh, to all of America in the body of Christ. You're a man of faith. So you bring faith in our founding fathers into the equation, which basically has been taken out of the equation in corporate America today and in our educational system you just so beautifully explained. I would really like to know, Bill, your view on how did we get here? Did the church let us down? What happened that we are in such a place right now where at any moment a Hitler-esque individual could rise to power and people would be dumbed down to the place where they would say, yes, I want that? Sure, sure. So uh, the most common form of government is a king, and there's this magnetic gravitational pull that wants to concentrate power like a black hole. Uh, and we're, we're really on track for that. I think this last election was a monkey wrench in their works that sort of put that on pause. But it's still lurking in the deep state of people that want to concentrate power. They do it by deceiving themselves and thinking that they're a little smarter than everybody else. And they have the answers, and these common people are, are ignorant, so we need to concentrate power. The problem is anything that's run by governments, run by politicians, and they have in mind their own 
future. Nobel Prize winning uh, economist James Buchanan, not Pat Buchanan, but James Buchanan. And he did this whole thing on why politicians keep getting us in debt. And he found out that they'll always vote for money for their districts because it helps them with their reelection. And they'll never vote for corresponding tax increases because that will hurt their reelection. So, in other words, the whole thing boils down politicians will do whatever gets them reelected. Anything that's run by the government is going to have this uh, element to it. We need to turn it back around and realize that the people in America are the king. Those listening to me, you're the king. And your response is you don't just have the privilege to vote. You're going to be held accountable to God for what happens. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to William J. Federer, author, historian, and radio host of the wildly popular American Minute and weekly television broadcast, His Faith in History. You can learn more about Mr. Federer's work, ministry, and mission by visiting AmericanMinute.com and get his latest DVD trilogy, Miracles in American History, a critical view. In my view, you will be blessed you did. Bill, Mr. Federer, thank you for sharing your incredible gifts of writing, producing, broadcasting, and chronicling American history as God intended. What a rich legacy we all have as Americans not to be taken for granted or forgotten. Your DVD trilogy of Miracles in American History tell the story, and powerfully so. We thank you. America thanks you, and God bless you. God bless you. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensine Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.